This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome back and thanks so much for joining us. So much is happening on the TV front this April. We have returning hits, new shows, and themes worthy of discussion. I'm super happy to have with me back on the show Candace Frederick. She is the senior culture reporter at Huffington Post. She's written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and so much more. Join us as we get into some of the things that are going to be happening in April. The very excellent Beef on Netflix. We talk about Tiny Beautiful Things, which is based on a Cheryl Strayed book. You remember she wrote Wild a few years back. We talk about the return of Yellow Jackets and Succession, as well as a couple of remakes or reimaginings or whatever you want to call it of 1980s psychological thrillers. Candace talks about why and even if we should be remaking them. Candace, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Last time we dished and kind of vomited on Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> so <fun>. let's see. <laughs> I'm feeling positive today. So why don't we start with something that I think is really good. I'm curious to see what you think about it. And that's Beef, a new show on Netflix by creator Lee Sung-Gin. And it stars Steven Yeun and Ali Wong. And it's premiering this week. What did you think? Tell us about that show. Yeah, I didn't really know what to think. I saw, I think I watched the trailer. Sometimes we get, or often we get screeners before a trailer drops. So I was really just going based on the premise of these two folks who got into some kind of road rage incident and then it just spiraled, which is essentially what the show is about. It just continues to spiral. Um, so I didn't really know what to make of it, but I had been watching or screening um, ahead of time a few terrible shows. <laughs> so I was in like this place of like, if this isn't good, I'm going to be really annoyed. Um, because I, as you mentioned, as you were talking about the names behind it, I was like, these are really great people. So I hope this doesn't fail them. And so that was the vibe I was going into it. And then I watched the first episode and I think they're like half hour episodes. Yeah, they're 30 or minutes minutes-ish. Yeah. yeah. They are so digestible. And so, um, oh gosh, I really, really enjoyed it. It was like finally a show that's actually really good that I'm, that I'm screening now. I was watching so much garbage and I really loved, um, I think a few other people are going to say this and particularly people, um, critics within the Asian American community. But I think it's such a really great exploration of rage, which is something that I think our culture has, for better or worse, I, I say for worse, has fervently <laughs> embraced. Um, and we see how that rage really consumes these two central characters. Um, I think it's set somewhere in California. And uh, it it really took me by surprise. Um, because again, I didn't really know what to expect. And I also was just like, oh, I've I've never really participated in this conversation around likable versus unlikable characters. I think everybody, all the characters in the show, on the show are really, really deeply flawed. And he, that much, that's also what makes them really intensely human. Yeah, I've never understood that discussion either. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really strange conversation, and particularly it, it's surrounding around surrounding women, female mm-hmm. characters. But I mean, everyone in on the show is doing something off center, <laughs> something that wouldn't be in, in this age of like moral policing. Mm-hmm. They would fail every single time. Um, but I think the show is much deeper in that it really does um, lean into the effects of rage and trauma, um, particularly rage. I, I want to get back to trauma in a bit, but particularly rage and the way in which we employ it anytime there is a sense of inconvenience. Yeah, and employ it in an, in another direction than that's something that's actually happening in your life. Yeah. As you were saying, some trauma at the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's an that's one of the things that's really smart about this show is that it actually delves into what could be provoking these people's these characters' um, inherent response to things that they just don't like or are mildly inconvenienced by, or um, and they do that kind of across the board, but particularly with those two main characters, they really peel back those layers and um, but not not in like this apologetic way, but in this like, here's just more information for the audience to chew on as they are, uh, as they are trying to understand this character and go on this journey with them. So many levels, because it also delves into class and into Mm -hmm. culture, immigration, and there's so many different levels here that are so interesting and so well done. And I just have to shout out all of the characters, all of the surrounding characters, because Stephen Yeun and Ali Wong are just amazing, but also her husband and his family, every single character is just has a backstory and is well written. And, and I think it's terrific. Yeah, it's such a rich tapestry that they really opened up and such like you peel, like kind of pull this string, what happens to the rest? Yeah. And it's just like this ripple effect and how it, you know, uh, manifests in their lives and their family lives. And, and I mean, of course, it gets into like this criminal offense because oftentimes it, it reaches that that level. And just like, like you were saying uh, regarding class and um Ali Wong, uh, her character is like a, I want to say like an art dealer. Yeah, she's or like a gallery or, yeah. Some- she's very, she's increasingly wealthy. And then on the other end is Steve Young's character who is uh, working class. Um, com- uh, his parents were immigrants and. And who had to go back because they just lost uh, their motel that they owned so he's right when we start this and he's in the middle of feeling so much guilt and not being able to help them with that and it's true yeah I mean and then you see like everything going on with his brother and his cousins and his like his own business that he's trying to like make happen and yeah all of that I think it really opens up such a larger conversation around uh myriad issues that I think are so you know, again, deeply human and can, uh, I think it's one of the things that made the show so easy to connect with. And it's interesting because I've heard from other people who are just like, oh, it's just so, it's so, it can be so um, 
almost like nasty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, but that's like, it, it gets to those points for sure. There's a lot that's like that's really hovering around the surface, but there's other things going on too. There's other emotions happening. There's other um, motivations and triggers that all of these characters have somebody who you're just like oh you're rooting for this person even though this person has done xyz terrible thing but you want to see this person like make better choices and that's a lot of what's going on in this show is just like making very questionable choices yeah so we recommend this one it's also so unusual i mean you didn't this not a storyline we've ever seen there's it's like a, a gallery of people that really curious about that are unusual and and this is great but let's move on to tiny beautiful things which premieres on april 7th this is based on cheryl strade who we've seen a lot of before with katherine hahn who i like what did you think yeah this was another one that First of all, I want to say that I absolutely love this trend of drama series having more 30 minute episodes rather than like hour and even sometimes more than an hour, um, because sometimes I feel like they don't really know what to say after 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Tiny Beautiful Things kind of um, is this really neatly compacted um, episodic series that follows. So I I did not know anything about the origin uh not the origins, the source material at all. And so um, I was just kind of going into this blind. I was really going to watch it because it's Katherine Hahn and I wanted to see what she was doing. Um, I love her. She plays a mom. This goes back and forth in time a lot. I want to say that only because I know some people don't like that. I know my mom really doesn't like flashbacks, but <laughs> it goes, every single episode goes back and forth in time. Um, I think a catalyst to a lot of... Uh, the story is her mother dying um, when she's like a teenager or I think in college, like a freshman. Um, And it's, and she kind of, she's a mom. She's kind of a mess. (laughs) She, her marriage is kind of definitely, not even kind of, it's definitely on the rocks. Her daughter, she has a strained relationship with her daughter. Um, And it's really about her trying to, on her way to trying to be a better person, she continues to make bad choices. Mm -hmm. But this is another example of like, you're kind of rooting for a a person because you just see one that they're trying, but also you see that you see such a human element in that. And I think anyone can really relate to that. So there's such a connectivity with the audience. Um, and she ultimately tries to, she stumbles on becoming like an advice there or an advice columnist. And so that's essentially like the core of tiny, beautiful things and really trying, like, as she kind of stumbles into this new opportunity, she's also trying to reconcile her own behavior and as well as her own, um, grief. Well, would you recommend it? I would. I mean, it's interesting. She, um, the central character that Catherine Hahn plays, she's married to a black man and they have a biracial daughter, obviously. And um, it's interesting because the show doesn't really, doesn't really incorporate racial context or even racial subtext in the series at all. So that kind of like, that really takes me out in their scenes sometimes. Um, and even like the relationship between the daughter and the mom seems culturally not authentic. <laughs> and so 
those are those are kind of nitpicks that I have. But I mean, I'm watching also watching this as like a black woman, and so I'm just like, this doesn't always ring true. But Catherine Hahn really, really is doing great work in it. Okay, well, well, curious if you guys want to check that out. Since you were mentioning this about rooting for horrible people, there's a couple of <laughs> returning shows that you've already started, but we have Succession and Yellow Jackets, as well as Barry coming up. And these are essentially shows with a, a bunch of characters that are doing dubious things in different ways. Um, what did you think of the return of Yellow Jackets? Theoretically, I'm a fan of Yellow Jackets just because I like what it's trying to do. It's just never actually done it. And that's where re that really makes it frustrating to me. I'm. What did you want it to do? I need it to be darker. Like I'm an audience member that really, really likes dark material. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when a show introduces or presents itself as like, like a lot of people were talking about it as a cannibalism show or, you know, talking about it in this horror context, which I never, ever thought that the show even now really is that. Um, and so that was disappointing. <laughs> I think the latest episode, I won't give anything away, that for people who haven't seen it, but it also has been spoiled pretty much oh, yeah, all across the <laughs> But um, it, it, it finally gets grislier than it ever has been. But I think because it's a show that, in which its characters um, resort to cannibalism to stay alive, presumably, they don't really show why they're, they resort to cannibalism, but that is the understanding by the audience. But the show doesn't really, it takes this, it's takes way too long getting to the motivations of these characters in this particular context. And there are entirely too many different characters in two different timelines. So it's a lot for the writers to have to like constantly parse out in terms of each, everybody's storylines. Cause I think some storylines actually get shortchanged and don't really make sense. Like I'll, like Thaisa, I, I don't really understand her. I don't understand her in the present. I don't really understand <laughs> her in the past either. <laughs> and so things like that, that, that really bother me as an audience member, really, um, really test my patience. I think inherently the show is really great at the other things <laughs> that like, um, really exploring, um, female vulnerability in this really heightened context. Um, but I, you know, again, I just, I, I think there's way too many characters. I mean, we're not just talking about the women and the girls, no, the but also, yeah. <laughs> right. There's so much that it's just like, not everybody is getting a, a, a cohesive storyline. I think, what's her name? I think uh, Shauna, who's played by, as an adult, Melanie Linsky is fantastic. And I think she's the only character other than Jackie and only because Jackie's only in the past. <laughs> and so she actually just has like a cohesive storyline and we don't have to like juggle two timelines with her. But I, I think the fact that only one character and another one who's dead <laughs> um, are the only cohesive storylines in, like I, I went to IMDb to count how many main characters are. There's at least 10. And so that's just, I, I just feel like the writers really bit off more than they can chew. I mean, pun not intended, but the, I think, 
I think that I think that people need to be eaten on the show so we can get to like maybe three or four characters that we need to be paying attention to. But in now in season two, when they're opening up, like now Lottie has an adult storyline and all of that. It's just like the more characters and the more stories they bring on, the less the others like current stories will be fulfilling. I agree. I mean, I think it's the premise is excellent. The actors are amazing. You mentioned Melanie Linsky and, and the rest, but it just gets too muddled. And, and and I always get the feeling every episode, I want to stay with this group. I want to stay with the psychology of what's happening right here in the past or right here, right now. And and I'm, I'm like your mom now. You shouldn't be jumping around. In time. <laughs> but but that's where it loses me because I also think it would be really interesting to get even deeper into the sort of horror of the psychology of what's actually going on and the horror and psychology of how it impacts. I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's just too many storylines. Um, although I think yeah. the premise is great and, and um, the music is great. I mean, they do a good job with it, but I wish... Sometimes they were just like, let's do one bottle episode, which is only here, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's sometimes like we haven't seen a character in a couple of episodes and then they like return to them and, and you have to remember who this person is, where mm-hmm. we left off with them, what their whole thing is. And that's just a, an ongoing task I found throughout the throughout the series is just like, okay, I think people need to be downsized. And I think there's an opportunity to do that. This is supposed to be a cannibalism show. So quote, heavy air quotes around cannibalism show. And uh, I don't know, I, I am obviously still watching, but it's, I, I just need it to get more pungent, I think. We don't have to talk too much about Succession because I've talked about it a lot on the show, but are you happy with the beginning of season four? Yeah, I, um, it's, it's, you know, obviously bittersweet because it's the final season. We're just learning that like, as it's almost, almost as it was about to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think as a, as an, as a audience member, as a fan, I'm just like, yeah, this is exactly like, it's a show that delivers on his promise every single time. The characters are consistent. The storyline is consistent. It's interesting. Somebody said the other day that, and I and I do kind of stumble into this a bit every time I watch an episode because it's like, it almost forces you to be a little bit more um, fluent in like business negotiations, if that makes sense. Just because for those of us, and I'm including myself in that, who aren't, it's just like, so what does this mean when when they make this deal and stuff like that? Because it sh- the show really rests a lot on that as it also is like these very flavorful characters that are are throughout this 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 um this company and this like business minded family or one person who's actually business minded, the others just want revenge. <laughs> I don't think that they have any type of, I don't think the, the siblings have any type of business acumen, but they, uh, a lot of people. <laughs> I think the writers are excellent at presenting to me, who is completely, complete idiot in, in business things, but I get it emotionally and I can sort of understand, ooh, she's opening a box over here that's going to lead to her father getting pissed and and just we just saw episode 
two is the latest one and, and how exactly what you're saying that we're really seeing what Logan and Brian Cox has been saying the whole time that the kids are just idiots <laughs> and they've spent sure. three seasons now um they're not in it for the right reasons and just doing this out of emotion and what's been going on with them. And, and it's so exciting to see how well-written those parts are, all the psychological trauma. How's Connor dealing with it? And I'm happy it's ending, even though I could watch it for the rest of my life because it's one of my favorite shows, <laughs> but I think it's super smart to, you know, leave us here and really curious yeah. about the Shakespearean ending that will come. <laughs> yeah, well, more than likely. Yeah. It's also interesting. It's like Logan, who's the patriarch of the family, played by Brian Cox. I I think he's such a puppet master. And, and it's it's we see that even more, I feel like, this season so far, where any really interesting decision that one of the siblings makes. I always trace back to if they, if it's like a really good business decision or a really good like zinger, like what happened with, with Connor last night or even what's going on with Roman last night. I'm just like, yeah, this is probably because the dad is behind this. He's been these in touch with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't actually have any like they don't actually know what they're doing. That This is probably all like sponsored by the dad and him coming to like the karaoke thing. I'm just like, nothing happens unintentionally. Like he's playing all of you. And for whatever reason, they fall for it every single yeah. time. And Carlos, uh, he's, he's a very big idiot. So, I mean, people who are just like, wow, Connor's got balls now. I'm just like, no, his dad does. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's your theory at the end? I mean, we'll, everyone just combust will logan yeah i mean mean, there's all these theories floating around there the cynical nature of me and the really loving the realistic aspect of tv and film is that they'll everybody will get away with everything the money will remain intact and they'll just go about their lives (laughs) you know and nothing has really shifted And I kind of would appreciate that ending. Mm -hmm. The other part of me is that one of these businesses that they are toying with will basically eat their business. (laughs) I don't, I don't see that as like an authentic way to end the show. I'm sure it'll be satisfactory because I have not seen a show with better season endings than Succession has had these past Mm -hmm. three there's a couple of shows coming up. Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, a Fatal Attraction, starring, let's see, Lizzie Kaplan and Joshua Jackson, which is basically based on the erotic psychological thriller that... Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) At least from my generation, I remember. Um, We have Dead Ringers, which is a gender-swapped version of Cronenberg's movie from 1988 starring Rachel Weisz as the two twin gynecologists. What do you make of all these sort of IP remakes? Do you like that? Do you do you no. look forward to them? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't look forward to them. I will say that I have seen all three of those. I've seen a little bit of all three of those that you just mentioned. Um, some are better than others. Well, one is is good. One, well, let me just backtrack. I can't identify which ones, but... One is fine. The other two are really bad. <laughs> um, I have not seen the original Dead Ringers. I'm a massive fan of the movie uh, Fatal Attraction. Like, I love it. It's one of my faves. Um, so, but just inherently the idea of, I mean, I've talked about this so much. This, like this idea of um, rebooting already existing movies seemingly for the sake of trying to correct them bugs me in unfathomable ways <laughs> just because i'm a big believer in every movie and tv show existed for the time that it was in um not to say that it doesn't hold up as like the younger generation likes to say but because i don't really care whether things hold up or not i think it's more like every i i think i find every single pop culture entity like a movie or a tv show to be um windows into what pop culture like and what culture looked like and what audiences uh desired at the time and that to me is a really fulfilling watch even if i were to go back and rewatch any of these movies and so this idea of trying to correct them or make them more progressive or put them into this time period. I'm using heavy air quotes around all of those, those phrases that I continue to hear so much is so useless to me because then one, it takes away from the experience of understanding why those films existed in the manner in which they existed before. And also um, it takes away from original ideas that I know exist all over, but they're being, um, deprioritized for shoddy remakes (laughs) so the idea this trend is really 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 bothersome to me and i and i continue to say people need to watch the originals i have not seen dead ringers but i i do want to see it i'm and i mean yeah yeah and so that's what's so amazing with what we started off talking about with beef which is so original and says so much about our time um and you know that is really something we want to see here and now but I mean, specifically Fatal Attraction and Dead Ringers, these are both 80s movies, both in the sort of psychological thriller drama, either good or bad. Why is this the thing that creators and networks think is something that our time wants to see? I I mean, 
my short answer is I don't know, but my <laughs> second answer, my longer answer is I continue to see people talking about, um, oh, I would love to see this like with made with black people today, or there's constant like fan castings of things that were done before. The most recent one was like X-Files and all of this. And I just feel like it's extreme. It's an extremely boring conversation, but it's a conversation that people continue to have. And I'm sure that Hollywood decision makers have spotted this. And so they keep regurgitating these ideas because they see that people are interested in them. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's also really, um, it's just so safe. I don't know this sense of like, oh, well, this could be remade today so that it could correspond with today's world or something like that. But it's not supposed to do that. <laughs> like like movies and TV shows don't operate on that level. They shouldn't be expected to operate on that level. Um, there's also this sense that particularly the younger generation do not watch anything before their time. And when I say before their time, I mean, before 2000. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> that's, it's very, very, very discouraging. And so instead of getting like this, those older films kind of collecting dust or whatnot, they're just like, oh, maybe we can make, still make money off of that IP because the younger generation is not interested in that and have them basically watch a ripoff of that, a ripoff of that, that caters to their sensibilities. And it's just like, it's an extremely slippery slope, I think. Um, and just bad business making to me. It's just like, it's like, I, I continue to say, watch, watch the original. <laughs> like it's okay to watch older things. I actually think you should watch older things so you can understand history. You should. Well, all these three are also premiering in April. Let's see. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you probably can't say if you liked it or not, but what is Dear Mama? Dear Mama is a docu-series around the relationship of Tupac Shakur and his mom, um, who was a Black Panther and is directed by Alan Hughes and follows um, their relationship, but also very acutely her influence on him as a lyricist who talked very free or rapped very frequently about the same resistance values that his mom was constantly talking about. And it's very bi biographical biographical centric toward his mom but in telling her story his story naturally unfolds wow that sounds great that's come i think yeah. that's not until end of the month on fx um mm -hmm. anything else you want to mention i'm kind of bummed about this is like super random but i'm kind of bummed about the a league of their own we were talking about remakes actually yeah and so um did you like that I loved that show. Mm -hmm. And my first instinct is always to like thumbs down a show that is a remake for all the, all the reasons Things that I just said. <laughs> um, but it surprised me. It really, it's one of the rare times. And I also put one, uh, one day at a time in this category where it actually really enhanced um, and evolved the story in a meaningful way. And so it's, 
um, got renewed for season two, only for four episodes, but yeah, which is kind of like a cancellation, but like not a cancellation. Yeah, sort of a consolation prize cancellation. Yeah. 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 And I bring this up. I mean, obviously a lot of, um, they're fortunate that they actually get to have another season because a lot of shows have not and do not have the support to even conclude their story. Um, but I think because, and there was a piece about this recently, the types of shows that seem to be going in this way where they're just getting cut off at the knees like this seem to be, you know, um, non-white shows and or queer shows, which this falls into and also has, um, people of color behind the scenes and in front of the camera as well on the show. And so that's bothersome to me because it's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, when we talk about, obviously not every show can last, not every show has the opportunity to get another season or even more episodes of the first season. But the fact that it's skewing very disproportionately to non-white or to non-white and queer shows and or queer shows, um, is really problematic and i've and i know people have been talking about that but it cannot be talked about enough just because it's i mean some shows are just not good cancel them fine but there are some shows that are getting really long seasons and and um multiple seasons that don't deserve it (laughs) and then you have these and it's just like these are good and also are stories that we don't really see centered um, and then they don't get those same opportunities. Yeah, in a league of their own, if I understand, it was it. it I, I thought it was really great too. But then it was also critically acclaimed. It had viewership. It should be able to last at least a full season, if not more. Um, so that seems very much like they just want to say thank you and goodbye without pulling the bandaid too quickly. So I understand which, which are some of the shows that have been canceled too soon one day at a time even though that does get that did get multiple seasons but there's still much a lot more story to tell and also it was canceled twice oh right <laughs> so, from both and they networks. moved it right they moved it to another network and then yeah yeah oh gordita the gordita chronicles which is a mm-hmm. really cute show that centered um a uh brown uh uh latin family um that relocated or immigrated to um, Florida. And it was really about the young girl, the daughter, the youngest daughter, and basically about her trying to navigate this new space and these new people and stuff like that. And so I thought it was really cute. That was canceled. Um, Just like they all kind of follow a pattern and, or not all of them, but too many of them disproportionate. Yeah. Well, let's hope... um... We'll see a change in that. But we have some good things to look forward to. Thank you so much, Candice, for today. I'll, hopefully I can call on you in again for new months of TV. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, 
astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.